Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. Oh, yeah. 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 So um, speaking of past performance, Ira. Yes. Reminded me of something I saw. Market watch. It was uh, be, be cautious about relying on historical parallels. And this was talking about the pace of inflation. It said, you know, look at the, the pace of inflation started ramping up in 2021. A lot of economists dismissed the pattern as transitory. Remember how they kind of blew that one, right? Uh, by March of 2022, the Fed understood that the new inflation pattern was serious and commenced raising short-term interest rates. And the, the point that they were bringing up in this article was, hey, weren't we supposed to like be entering a recession? Uh, weren't we going into what happened to the recession? And I thought this was fascinating because remember what was the best predictor of an economic downturn historically? I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand in a certain position, and this is a negatively sloped yield, yield curve. curve. Yes, exactly. That was, and they were talking about why it is that we're not necessarily seeing recession. And it says, why the shift? Regardless of whether we eventually end up in a recession, the key here is how the inverted yield curve may not mean the same as what it did 20 years ago. <laughs> Which I thought was fascinating because people were using this to predict what the stock market was going to do. Right. Right? Our economy has become far more resilient, is what they said, in the face of restrictive interest rate policies. And they says, you know, let's look at what history shows us. Back in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, manufacturing was the engine of the economy. Yes. So... If we look at how manufacturing has gone to other countries, it's not as uh, as prevalent as it used to be. If one wanted to buy a house, 30-year fixed-rate mortgage was the only choice. Moreover, that choice is typically provided. This goes back to really what we were talking about, how innovation of, you know, when things kind of go a direction that we don't want to see them go necessarily, innovation helps us deal yeah. with those changes. So it says that, uh, moreover, that choice was typically provided by a savings and loan institution that borrowed short-term from savers and lent long-term for houses and medium-term for cars. And, of course, what we saw is a lot of these banks actually borrowing long-term, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And it shot them in the foot. Right. But, you know, what they did is they, you know, they, they went and lent long-term, and that shot them in the foot. And now what's going on is maybe they've actually learned a little bit more from that Wouldn't point. bet on it. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I, I'm, I'm optimistic, maybe. Uh, but fast forward to today, the U.S. is a service sector economy and most service pr purchasers do not involve a loan or credit. So that is the point. You know, when you look around at what drives the economy, yeah. it used to be that borrowing was a much bigger deal. So an inverted yield curve. And if you don't know what that is, uh, so that you have your short-term interest rates are higher than your long-term interest rates. That's, that's an inverted yield curve. And the idea being that if the long-term interest rates were lower, then the general consensus of all informed investors and all informed people in the world of finance 
believed that the short-term high interest rates were not going to last forever. Hence, that's why the long-term interest rates were low. That we should be going into, in the future, a worsening economy. And therefore, what happens is since when you go into a worsening economy, what happens to interest rates? They come down. And if the long-term interest rates were lower, that tells us that this short-term high interest rate phenomenon will be likely short-lived. But what's going on is that where who controls the short-term interest rate? Well, we know that is the Federal Reserve. And that is, you know, that's really what they have to play with is short-term interest rates. Long-term interest rates are set more by the marketplaces. You know, so hence when the short-term interest rates go up, that would mean that we would have a worsening economy coming in the future because that's exactly what the Fed is trying to do is they're trying to slow down the economy so as to have some effect on driving economic growth down a little bit so as, as to not necessarily see as much inflation. So in essence, what we're seeing here is because people are just plain borrowing less money. You know, they're not necessarily as dependent upon borrowed money is, is what this person is saying in this in market watch. Uh, then therefore, we don't necessarily see a recession always following a negatively sloped yield curve. It's not necessarily A follows B. But here is another case where what we do is we look at past performance or we look at historical trends and we try to make patterns out of them to try to predict the future. And what we're seeing here is that you just can't do it. It doesn't work. No, but yeah. if, if we want to put some numbers to that yield curve, uh, a four-month treasury is right now at 5.6%. This was as of the 15th of September. The 20-year, this is really interesting, mm -hmm. the 10-year mm -hmm. is about 437 Mm-hmm. The 20 year is 4.6. Mm -hmm. So the 20 is higher than the 10. And the 30 is at 4.4. Mm -hmm. But I mean, going out that far. Now, why would anybody want to lock their money up in a 10 year or 20 year or 30 year when short term interest rates are Well, unless you're high? like an insurance company that knows your obligations and yeah. it tries to determine what your obligations are out 30 years. Like on my life insurance policy. Replacing equipment for a hospital or. Something, yeah. you know, manufacturing. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, you'll have people you that return on the sinking fund. Yeah, but, you know, sure. And, and I, I often use the insurance companies because, and this is why I'm, <laughs> I, I find annuities and, and life insurance as an accumulation vehicle problematic, is because who is investing the money? You know, you're there an intermediary between you and where your money is invested, the insurance company. What do they got to do? They've got to be incredibly conservative on those investments. And what are we seeing on those conservative returns? Very low. Pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, pretty bad. And, you know, right now what they're saying is they're going, ah, oh, you know, we, we would love to have a 2% inflation rate. This is what the Fed is saying now. But they're looking at three and they're saying, can we live with three for a while? You know, I've been hearing talk about that. Can we live with three for a, a little bit longer? And, and, you know, so hence, if we got a 4% interest rate and you're in a 20, let's say 25%, you know, there isn't a 25% bracket, but just let right. use that as a number. 25% <laughs> of um, 4%, you got 22 in a 24% bracket, close enough. Uh, you take that rate of return of 4% and now you're down to three and inflation is three and you're going, what's my rate of return real? Zero. And... <laughs> 
Not good. It's not great for long-term accumulations. And after taxes, it's negative. Well, yeah, but I'm saying if it was four, now it's down to three. It's it's in inflation's three, it's zero. Oh, what? yeah. And so that hence that's that's the issue. No, but what I'm saying is if you're getting four, uh huh, and you pay taxes on the four, right? But you're then down inflation to three. is three. Now you're negative. You're gonna be negative. Well, yeah, well, yeah, three. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Where. Are you saying if you have a four percent interest rate? I'm saying if you, had, I, I used a fictitious tax okay. rate, twenty five percent. So they may have missed right, that. Right. Okay, I so, missed that part. Okay, yeah, that, that, that was it. So it's, it's basically breaking. But you know, whatever, negative or whatever, it's, it's bad. Um, you know, so that, that is, uh, you know, that really the problem that, that we face as investors is, you know, you look at that and go, wow, I would love to have total safety and know exactly what my interest rate is going to be and and you know know what my rate of return is going to be year year in year out but those investments that do that don't give any return you know they're not historically something that gives us anything above inflation or barely above inflation and then after taxes like like I was saying well, you know after taxes it is negative yeah you you mentioned that and you know these things that we we try to just like companies respond to the environment and the economy. Investors mm -hmm. do the same thing. And, you know, what were we talking about roughly a year ago from, you know, where's a good place to put some money? I had questions from clients almost every week on this. And so I was looking at an article from, from Bloomberg, investors yank $800 million from I-bonds as inflation slows down. Really? And so, you know, really last year, Wow. You know, every week, hey, these things are paying 9.4. Now, you know, what, what do you think we should do? Blah, blah, blah. Everybody was talking and about them. So now the, wow. the rate renewed and it renewed at 6.89. Uh, and I think in the April rate, uh, it's actually down to 4.3. And so in May of 2023, they posted the rate for the next six months was 4.3%. And so... Now you have, you know, you were just talking about the yield curve and I get stuff in the, you know, postcards in the mail from banks that have CDs paying four or five for, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. even a couple of years, 12 mm -hmm. months. Yeah. So now you've got these people sitting in I-bonds paying four because mm -hmm. inflation has dropped mm -hmm. and banks are paying four or five and it's much more liquid and so forth. And they've already, they've pulled out $800 million in the last several months. And, you know, it's just interesting. You may find this little how kind people, of how quickly people change their attitudes, deal, right? right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But long term, beating inflation is still really the world of equities in our world. Because mm -hmm. I and I really like the way you, you phrase it in workshops and talking to clients and stuff. And I've adopted it is, you know, what is inflation? Companies raising prices. Mm -hmm. What do you own when you own stocks? Mm -hmm. The company's raising the prices. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. it's just that simple. Yeah, it, it is. It really is. And you know, so uh, you know, investors need simple. <laughs> you know, they really yeah. do because there's so much information out there and it gets so confusing that you know you've got to try to keep it simple tell you what let's take a quick break you're listening to the investor coaching show paul winkler evan barnard and ira work we will be back right after this thanks for tuning in to the investor coaching podcast now you may be one of these people that's listening and realizing wow investing there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area but you don't want just anybody to help you out. 
So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything that we do is fee-only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. And we're back here on the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler, along with Evan Barnard and Ira Work, talking money and investing. PaulWinkler.com is the website that you can check out for video, audio, all kinds of things out there. And of course, you know, if you're like, want to know more about what we do, by all means, check it out. That's where you go, PaulWinkler.com. And, um, we just uh, so so appreciate uh, when, you know people that, when you check that out, and also the people that are subscribing to the podcast right there. You can subscribe to that and get these little segments, you know, labeled and all put together beautifully in a podcast. If you just happen to miss something, you don't have to miss anything. It's just a nice little setup there. PaulWinkler.com. All right, Evan. I can't remember what Michael said recently. Is it's in like the top ten? Podcast or something like there was some top killer state stat on top either five percent of yeah. yeah it's like top five percent or top cool. it's, yeah it, it's, it may be being higher than that I don't know they're like 12, twelve thousand downloads uh, per month or you know it was crazy yeah that just shows how hip people are around their investing well, totally digging it so here's yeah. this is a cultural look at finance mm -hmm. and uh, this comes out of Morningstar okay. it was an article by Amy Arnott okay. Does hashtag girl math add up? No. <laughs> no. No, it does not. It? No, I did not. Oh, okay. No, I did not. But I, I just know I know the uh I know the material. Okay, well, I wasn't familiar with the hashtag, so this was kind of news to me. Breaking down which of the TikTok trends principles are valid and which ones to avoid. Uh-huh. So apparently girl math is kind of a term. To you, it's used to justify like frivolous spending or less than rational decision making is where hashtag girl math comes in. And for the record, this is a female author of uh -huh. this article. Uh huh. And so she's talking about some of the common myths. And so she's going to say, are they, you know, are they true or not? Mm -hmm. So here we go. This will be for, for you two. Oh, boy. This is a test. I, oh, I hate tests. <laughs> Girl math number one. If you buy something with cash, it doesn't count as spending because cash isn't real money. <laughs> oh, no. True. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is this is a conspiracy. <laughs> so, this is obviously false. Cash is part of your net worth, and spending it depletes your bank account. Uh -huh. You know, so. Right. And then she goes on to give some, you know, some cute tips for managing a budget and okay. so forth. But her verdict was that's mostly wrong. Okay. Uh, now, this one is a little bit more dicey. Okay. Oh. And remember, okay. we're all three married. <laughs> oh, no. My wife's not number, listening. Number so two. Right. If you return an item that you've purchased, you get free money to spend. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> What's the politically correct so, answer? <laughs> her verdict was probably okay. 
But she says, I can see the logic with this one. When you purchase an item, you've already made the decision to spend. No, but did, did, was it agreed upon, though, is the question. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> did, did your spouse know? No. Yeah, you didn't ask your person, your your girl, your uh, BFF, whether or not you should People make the are purchase out there going, in the My first spouse place. doesn't need to know. That's right. <laughs> now, this one, this was kind of an interesting one. Okay. Um, number three, spending $100 five times is better than making one purchase of $500. How would you respond to that from the girl math standpoint? Spending $100 five times is better than spending $500 once. Right. Did she get five items? I think you're getting more with the five purchases. Yeah, okay. I don't. I don't know the logic behind. Well, yeah. You have more and, uh, items. Why is correct? that even a question? She, she said, "I probably don't need to explain why this thinking is flawed." So that was interesting. Well, and I think what they were saying is people fall into the trap of avoiding big ticket purchases, and they just end up buying multiple things that add up to the same amount. And so she goes on to kind of address this quality. What? I, I saw, no, I sort of get that. I sort of get it. Replacing something, you know, it's you do. It was cheap. Yeah, I do. But I had to get five of them over the next three years, as opposed to spending five hundred. Okay, okay, so he said so let me longer. Let, let me explain why I think I, this this I understand this to some extent. Yeah. So you'll have a lot of people that will buy things just because it kind of brings their mood up. You know, whether it be sure. endorphins, whether it be you know serotonin, whether it be you know uh, dopamine or whatever. That's you know, dopamine re- is a big deal. That's called retail therapy. That's exactly what it's called. <laughs> yes. But I would, you know, and exactly. So what happens is if I'm going to do retail therapy and each evidence of, or instance, excuse me, of therapy, it helps my mood. Yeah. If I have five of them, I ought to be in a better mood than if I only have one of 500, right? I don't know. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll probably, <laughs> uh, behave, you know, Terrence O'Dean would probably agree with that this as well of placing five trades of $100 gives you more positive feedback and endorphin than placing one I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.